Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 219. Yeehaw! One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy do, who fans? I hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who related. Related. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Episode 219. Mm. Sounds a lot. It does, doesn't it? Well, it As we lot. do it every week. Yeah, I, we... know. I know. <laughs> it's commitment for you, buddy. Since 2014, we've been going. I know. That's yeah. nuts. It's crazy. Yeah. I know there are podcasts that have been going for a lot longer. Mm. Um, I listened to, uh, I probably listened to about five or six other Doctor Who podcasts. And I think two of them have been going for, I think, well, their episodes on like 500 and something. And mm. yeah, it's crazy. That is crazy. What was that one that we used to love that they all decided they, um, that it was just the Doctor Who podcast, wasn't it? Is it that what it's called? Yeah. That one, was, in the, one in the camper van. We used to both love that. And they did thousands of episodes. Yeah, that was, and they uh, had, what is that? Trevor and uh, James. An Australian guy, Trevor, James. And... Yeah, they had like someone from Australia and London. They were all over the place. They used to sort of get together on Skype and chat. And then um, they just got to the point where they're like, yeah, it's, it's just so difficult for us to get together yeah. and do this podcast. We're, we're calling it a day. And me and you both messaged, didn't we? We were like, oh, no, <laughs> they're finishing. And it was gutted and stuff. But, yeah, that was a good yeah. podcast. That was really good. That was, they, um, yeah. they had, there was, a, I think there was four of them at one point. I know, uh, this probably sound, yeah, I just can't remember the name of the other two. Mm. I know Trevor and James. And I, yeah, I always mean to grab James when we go to, certain events and say hello <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah, always miss him yeah. I see him going in and out of the venue but I always miss him but that's a good pocket there, there was a few of them um, that have been and gone as well like that's one of them um, mm. yeah but crazy old world podcasting mate 
talking to podcasting, I was going to save this to the bit you say, what have you been up to? But I'll mention it now. (laughs) I've listened to David Tennant's podcast after we finished recording last week. So his first episode, he's he's, he's brand new and shiny. He's a brand new shiny podcast, (laughs) just setting out on his ways. Um, yeah, so I listened to the first episode and uh, with Olivia Coleman. Have you got around to listen to it yet? Do you know what, mate? I honestly haven't. No, I've, I'm subscribed to it and I've got the episodes there, but I just haven't had time to listen to it. No. Well, episode episode two came out yesterday with Wolfie Goldberg. I haven't got around to listen to that yet. But So the, the one with Olivia Coleman, first of all, David Tennant is just an absolute natural like, you, as I said, first podcast, you might think he sounds a little nervous or he's finding his feet or... No, man, he is just like, it's as if he's been doing it for years. And she comes in, and I don't know, maybe it's just because they're clearly very good friends. I mean, it is just like listening to, to two people just chattering away. Yeah, I um, think they, they are. They, yeah. they both are so natural on it. It doesn't feel forced or planned. Or mm-hmm. it, I just sat there thinking, this is brilliant. But also, I was really shocked by Olivia Coleman's language. You're a bit of like, a potty mouth. My word. She <laughs> says the C word within the first five minutes. <laughs> In fact, it might be within the first three minutes. And I was like, because I was like, did I, did she just say that word? And, <laughs> and all the way through, it's effing this and bleeping that. And I was like, my, I did not expect this. <laughs> but she's, she's brilliant and she's very honest. And um, as I say, I think because her and David clearly are such good friends, they just yeah. chat very yeah. openly about stuff. And it's, it's a brilliant first podcast. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to hearing him and Whoopi, Whoopi uh, yeah. later today when I get a chance to put it on. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've got it on the list. You will to love it. To, yeah. So, um, you love David, don't you? And you, yeah, you're just going to love it. He's a cool guy. Yeah. It sounds a bit like when him and Catherine Tate get together. They're very good friends. Yes. And, oh, he's got to get her on, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm surprised or not by um, Olivia Coleman dropping all the F bombs and C bombs. <laughs> yeah. You just never know with, uh, celebs some of them no. you know, it's just uh yeah so if i i used to listen to um uh, a podcast by kevin smith oh yeah yeah i think it was when it was called fat man on batman <laughs> and yeah. uh yeah some of those shows they were very very sweary mm. indeed yeah but we keep it clean here though we do try, don't we? I guess I know we've had the odd outtake where we've accidentally let let one slip and we're like, oh, <laughs> hang on, but stop. I'm just making note of the time. Need to edit that out. And we're quite careful on it because we know we've got listeners of all ages, but yes. we do have a younger yeah. fan base and we don't want to be don't want to be a bad influence, do we? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's um Yeah, so they're a bit of a behind the scenes insight there, buddy. Yeah. So there has been I can I've probably lost count of the amount of times where you and I have been talking about something. Mm. And uh, one of us has let slip the old, the old f bomb or the whatever <laughs> yeah. bomb it is, and we're like, oh god, here we go. Backtrack a little bit. We'll edit that bit out. And... Mm. Especially because when, yeah, I was gonna say when when I when we're out at the BFI events, when I've had a few drinks, I do notice myself swearing more, and I don't know why that is. <laughs> I I noticed it when I was out in London a couple of weeks ago for a birthday bash, and I was talking to someone. And I thought, God, I keep using like the F word in between every other, I don't know what's going on. I think it's the drink. It must've been on the Stella or something. Blame it but, on the drink. Uh, yeah. Blame it on the drink. Yeah. Yeah. Cause normally I'm so refined, <laughs> <laughs> such a refined person, but, but yeah, you're going to love the podcast. Mate. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to the Whoopi Goldberg one because apparently she says she wanted to be the first female doctor on it. Ah, so I hear, right, right. Which is, uh, which will be interesting. And also 
I believe that David's got Jodie Whittaker coming on maybe next week or the week after. I think it's next week, actually. So that should be an interesting one. But Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. yeah. so it's very good. Very good. Mm. Cool. Have you been up to anything else, mate? Uh, not a great deal. I have been continuing to read Scratchman, the Tom Baker Doc 2 book. Man, it is so good. Oh, cool. cool. I, it literally is a page turner, and I, I'm just loving it. And I'm about halfway through now. In fact, I've just crossed the halfway mark. Right. And uh, I'm not going to – no spoilers here. I'm not going to say what it was. But something big dropped right in the middle of the book that I was totally like literally mouth open when it got to the end of the chapter. And this thing happened, and I was like, oh! <gasps> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> Didn't expect that. And also just absolutely amazed that I hadn't seen it posted anywhere. Like it was like, it's just one thing, you know, like we talk about spoilers, but if there's one thing about this scratch from a book you don't want spoiled. It's this. And I was, right. it, I tell you, it was that real moment of, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that to happen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't, yeah, it's, I'm just loving it. I was going to say it's blowing my mind. I'm absolutely loving <laughs> that book. Have you managed to pick it up yet? No, no. Because I, I, I've seen loads of people posting pictures on Twitter, um, and I hear it's selling really well. Uh, okay. But I haven't actually seen it in any shop yet, and I'm just wondering if that's because it's selling really well. But I hope so because it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I just I'm having a, a real busy couple of weeks at the minute. You know. Yeah, because uh, the old um, the old big blue box towers so to speak, mm. is going to be moving location soon. So I've been like, you know, knee deep in housey stuff and oh, right. work stuff. So honestly, with my time, I just, you know, that you have little pockets of time where you just feel like, where, where have the, where's that day gone? Oh, all the time. Yeah. So I'm having yeah. that continuously at the moment. So I just haven't got mm. time to read books or comics or listen to the podcast. I just haven't got the time at the minute. But I think from next week, middle of next week, once I get a couple of little things done and dusted, I'll have a more free time again but same as you though I've seen a lot of people talking about it um, but I've not seen it on the shelf anywhere no no, no I haven't weird, no I was it? in fact yeah. I was in the shops yesterday and I just like, nipped into Waterstones I just just to see if they had it I don't know why because I've got it but I just like to see oh there it is um, and they didn't have it and I was thinking that's surprising but um, yeah I've just seen so many people posting pictures I know that a lot of people are picking it up so it's good to see I, I know exactly what you mean about the time thing I've got such a backlog of comics like literally just building up and up and up like they keep arriving from FP because I subscribe to a couple of different comics uh, including the Doctor Who comic obviously which is now onto the 13th Doctor and they just keep piling up and uh, Rivers of London I've, I've got loads of them I need to read comics and I'm just like oh like you said it's just finding the time isn't it that's it mate yeah, yeah, time goes too quick. It does, indeed. Yeah. So you've not been out to much else? Uh, no, nobody. No, I've, um, no. No, the only thing I've watched, um, <laughs> the I've mentioned this loads of times, but the, the channel W. Oh, yeah, yeah, W. Yeah, it seems to be, they. I think they've got a bit of a Friends vibe going on with Doctor Who at the minute. Oh, yeah. Because every Saturday, or I think it's every Saturday or Sunday morning, one of the two, uh, I'm scrolling through the channels and I can see, oh, Doctor Who's on again. Awesome. And it's from nine or 10 o'clock right up until lunchtime or something. But they keep going through the same <laughs> loop. Do you know, with friends, they, I think it's yes. Comedy Central or Sky or Channel 4. They go through this phase of literally throughout the entire year at the same time, it, you know, every day, it's like friends. Okay. So they've yeah. gone through the entire series, all of the series of friends. And now they're just going to loop back to the beginning and just go, it feels like that. So I've seen um, the Stolen Earth Journey's End like 
three times now oh. over, the, over the past month. <laughs> so that's a bonus. So I've watched, you know, David Tennant, mm. who again, which is cool. Um, yeah. The only other bit of who I've watched is after the Almost People. Kind of got hooked into the trailer for um, The Good Man Goes to War. So mm. I just carried on and watched that because we did review that. I think towards the end of last year or something like that. Yeah, not that long ago, was it? Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, it's had a bit of a Matt Smith vibe. I'd forgotten about that. I mean, I, you know, not jumping the gun to the review, but I'd forgotten about that ending as well. Because I was a bit, mm. I was a bit, I mean, I must admit, I was a bit like you. I was thinking, oh, shall I, shall I watch that one? And I was like, oh, no, I haven't really got time. But, but yeah, I'd forgotten about that big cliffhanger yes. at the end of uh, Almost People. Mm, quite horrific as well, isn't it? It is. A bit of horror, but. Yeah. Yeah, Moffat pushing the boundaries. Old mm. Mothbag. Mm. <laughs> Moffat. Hey, did you see him and um, David Tennant? Uh, oh, no, not David Tennant. Him and Russell, Russell. T. Davis. At, uh, was it a Radio Times Award or did they yes. just post the picture? Or yeah. So funny. So Russell's like chatting to the interviewer, all, you know, giving his opinion on something. And suddenly Stephen's head pops up <laughs> behind his shoulder, like pulling loads of faces and giving him two fingers and stuff. And it's just brilliant. I love those two together. They're cool, aren't they, actually? Yeah. Yeah. I, they had a good bounce, apparently. At, um, the Forbidden Planet signing they were at a few months yes. ago. Yeah. 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 Oh, quite a few months ago now, I think. Um, but yeah, it's always funny because you and I have got this kind of image in our heads, haven't we, of of Moffat being just this sour faced old drunkard at the minute, just <laughs> hoying bottles of wine at the TV when he's watching series eleven and stuff. But yeah. in real life, I mean he is a bit of a wine drinker. When we saw him at the BFI, he was on glass number seven or whatever. Yeah. And um <laughs> uh, it yeah, so he is a bit of a. He does like the odd, uh, the odd tipple, doesn't he? But yeah, it's just great to see him outside of the. I'm, I have no idea what he's working on at the minute either. I've, no, I don't no, we're fine. No. When Russell T Davis left, he told us what he was going to be working on. He's like, "Oh, I'm writing this drama, mm. and I'm also in the early plans of this new kids show. I think it was Wizards versus Aliens or something. That's like it, that. something like that. Yeah. But I don't know what the moth's up to. So I can only <laughs> assume that he's just loving life at the minute he, you know he's had such an intense time he looks and, like he is I mean he's grown a beard <laughs> yeah he just looks like he's just like yeah he's got Doctor Who off his back and exactly. he's just yeah, yeah I'm just loving life I'm going to all the awards parties and getting free drinks and he's just letting he's letting loose <laughs> well after and, he got uh, and why hoyed, not <laughs> <laughs> after he got hoyed out the back door into the skip you know he's just brushed himself off and he's like right yeah. let's well, go man here I come yeah, yeah. let's have it <laughs> Uh, I do I do love him I tell you no matter what you think of the Moff's stories he's he is a character and he's so interesting in interviews he's so funny as well he's very quick witted so yeah. yeah it's good to see him and Russell just hanging out and getting lashed up and yeah lashed. Bet that was quite bad that was a great night yeah <laughs> I don't know what it was for but yeah ah oh, god lashed up yeah mm. Moff. Well, that'll be me and you in a couple of weeks at the BFI won't it we're at Philogopolis the BFI uh, is that two weeks a week uh, yeah, it's a well, week yeah, and a bit, week and a bit. Yeah, that's going to be very cool. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. Very mm. cool. Mm. Uh, righty Uh, we have got a few bits of news and merch to go through. Yes, so we have. Yeah, let's land it and do it. So the BBC iPlayer has released, or the BBC have released, their top 10 shows for 2018 as watched on the online viewer 
player, watcher, whatever. <laughs> the iPlayer. So the uh, Doctor Who is in the list, which is good. Because yeah. <laughs> we're quite worrying if we were not in the list. And we are sitting at number four. Respectable. Respectable, yes. Mm. And um, so overall, throughout the entire year, uh, there were three and a half billion programs watched in total on iPlayer. Wow. Which is good. We know it's a popular platform, obviously, mm. for BBC shows and whatnot. And it was good when they... Well, it wasn't so good when they took all of the Sarah Jane adventures off there early last no, year. No, that wasn't so good. That sucked. But it was good that they then added, I think all of Doctor Who's on there, isn't it, from Eccleston still? Yes, it yeah. is, yeah. So yeah. It was good in that respect. They um, they put all that on there. So Doctor Who, number four, and um, the most watched one from Who, the one that dragged in all the numbers essentially, was uh, episode one from series 11, The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Yeah, it's no surprise. Yes, and that was three billion. No, sorry, three million. Sorry, three billion. Uh, three, just under four million, actually, requests via the iPlayer platform to watch that episode. Mm. So that's rather good. We were um, we were pipped for the number one spot from uh, something called Bodyguard. Yes. Did you not watch that? No, I heard it was relatively good. It was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Keely Hawes was in it. Yeah, it was quite good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two was uh, a show called Killing Eve. Brilliant series, that. Never very violent, actually. It, You'll be but... amazed that I watched that because I'm so squeamish, but uh, yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Okay. And number three was McMafia. Again, something else I'd not, I've not heard of. But... No, I don't. Well, I remember seeing that advertised, but no, I didn't watch that one. Uh, I'm quite surprised to see The Cry at number six, I thought that'd be higher. Not that I thought it was good, but everybody seemed to watch that. That oh, was the yes. one with Jenna yeah. Coleman, where yeah. she literally cried for the entire three <laughs> hours that it was... Because, uh, uh, yeah, everybody was talking about that. My mum, you know, I'd go around my parents, and mum would be like, oh, did you watch The Cry this week? Oh, Jenna Coleman. And I was like, no, I didn't, mum, because I hate Jenna Coleman. She's like, oh, oh, it's really good. <laughs> I don't hate Jenna Coleman, but, um, <laughs> but I do. Uh, but, yeah, no, so, yeah, I'm just surprised that's not higher, because... Um, I thought everybody watched that. But yeah, number four, that's pretty decent, I would say. Yes, number four. Mm. Yeah, so in other news, <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm laughing because I haven't got it ready, not because of the, the news, because <laughs> it's quite, I'm laughing because I haven't got it ready in front of me. In other news, uh, sad news, actually, um, that uh, Clive Swift has passed away at the age of 82. Uh, Doctor Who fans will know him best, I would say, for... Uh, well, I think of him as Mr. J- as Joe Bell in the Colin Baker story, Re- Revelation. Yeah. You know, Mr. Joe Bell with his little toupee on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people will think of him uh, as uh, Mr. Copper in Voyage of the Damned, the David Tennant Christmas special. And uh, a few people I know will know him as Richard from uh, Keeping Up Appearances, which went on for ages, didn't it? Do you remember that in the, is that the 90s? Um, or well, the 80s, maybe. I don't know, but Keeping yeah, Up Appearances yeah. was on for it went on and on. It was, I mean, it was a fun series, actually. I used to really like it. So, yeah, very sad to, to hear that Clive passed away. Um, and uh, obviously, he was in lots of other stuff as well. Uh, so, yeah, Clive Swift has died at 82. Sad. Sad. Wasn't he famous for an interview? <gasps> oh, that yes. Did, that was hilarious. Yes, he did a Doctor Who magazine interview where he was so grumpy. Uh, and I must admit, when I first saw this interview, I thought it was uh, fake. 
I thought it was just a joke, um, but it was a genuine interview, and he basically was horrific in it. This is why I said when when I said I know a few people have met him, but I'm not going to say any more. I, I will say more. I heard he he, he could he was known for being a bit of a grumpy soul. Uh, <laughs> if you met him, um, I've heard from a few people. I'm sure, like most people, we all have our off days, and I don't want to speak ill of the dead. So you know, I'm sure he wasn't always like that. But the Doctor Who magazine interview with him is uh, is a classic. I would say. Um, and he certainly doesn't mince his words in it. So if you can dig that out online and read it, it's, it's very funny. It is. Yeah, it's online somewhere. Yeah. If you just do a search for, I think, just Clive Swift, yeah. Doctor Who interview or something, it's it's there somewhere. But but yeah, sad news. 82. Yes. Yeah. Uh, last, up, last up in the news. Um, some of you, I know some of you uh, have got this and have had it for a while, but there's... It's. I think it started out as a mobile game, uh, Doctor Who Legacy. Legacy, yeah. It was really popular when it first launched. Um, it's by Tiny Rebel Games, and I th- I'm sure it came out as just a mobile game, but then you could play it online, I think, shortly afterwards and so on. It's like a turn-based um, uh, Doctor Who sort of adventure story game. And um, unfortunately, that's closing down soon. Now, you and I don't play this. I... I've seen people play it and I've seen screenshots and videos and so on. It looks quite cool. Uh, but I think that from what I can gather, the reason is the, the, the license that this company uh, got from the BBC to make an official Doctor Who game is up for renewal and they've decided not to carry on with the license for this particular game. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they do have another game uh, that's, um, that's rocking and rolling. I think it's called Doctor Who Infinity. Oh, that rings a bell. Yeah, I think it, you know, excuse me if I've got that wrong, but they did bring out a very similar uh, story-based game in a similar style. Their artwork is really nice for these games. It's like a comic um, book-y style uh, artwork. It's very, very cool. And I I know it's got a a lot of fans. Like I said, I don't personally play it. I know you don't. Um, But just let you know, it's going to be shut down. So you can still play it offline. So if if you already own the game now, you can still play it. It just means that it will be taken off the App Store, so you won't be able to download it as a new game. And I think there's some chatter around all of the additional content that they released for it over the years will just be thrown into the game for free. And from I think that's not confirmed, but they might do mm. that. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're a current player, you can still play it. It's all good, but there'll be no further updates, and nobody else will be able to download it. And I think that's going to be. When this post first went out, they said in two weeks' time, and I think that's around the 17th of February. Right. So um, if you're a fan of the game, uh, then make sure you download any additional content that's out for it or whatever. Um, But yeah, that's going to be taken out from Tiny Rebel. Yeah, sad. But if you think about it, it's over six years old now, which is incredible, actually, because I do vaguely remember when this was launched because, you know, as I said, I'm terrible at games. I really am awful, so I never play them. Um, so yeah, sad news. It is sad news. Uh, what was the name of that other, other? Yeah, it is Infinity. Doctor Who Infinity. Infinity, yeah. yeah. So that's their current game. So if you want to get into some some Who mobile gameage, you can have a crack at that one. That's you know still being supported and rocking and rolling. And they do say they're working on another new game as well. So they, it's not like the company's in trouble. That's why it's shutting down. It's, um, they just don't want to pay the beeb anymore for an old game. Which is fair enough. <laughs> that's fair enough, isn't it? An old license, should I say? Mm. Right, that's it for news. Should we get old grumpy pants in? Yes. Where's old Dalek Tat these days? 
Match Corner. Match Corner. Match Corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Sill. Go on, do the go. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> he's getting, uh, so, I can't do it. He's getting his own story in a spin-off. Believe it or not. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. this is Coco. Was quite a surprise. I thought. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Real-time pictures. Oh, them. We've spoken about these guys. What what do they normally bring out real time? They do. What do they do? Um, sort of unofficially, but connected to Doctor Who spin-offs type things. It is. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, what was that one? The the no, what was that one they did with the Yeti? I can't remember. They've Something. done a few. Yeah. But they, they, yeah, a lot of them were quite a long time ago, and they've recently reissued them on DVD. So this is, I guess, the first new one they've done in a while. Yes, they've done. Didn't they do one with something to do with the Damons? They did. That, a that's what I'm trying to think of. I can't think what it was called though. Oh, Devil's End. Return to Devil's End. No, that was the. That was a documentary, documentary thing. Yeah. Um, but it was something like that. Dame, yeah, Damos, and I don't know. <laughs> uh, Damos Rising was one of them. Oh, uh, yeah. So the Damons of Devil's End. There we go. And it focused on the character, the the woman, wasn't it, in the village. Anyway, real-time yeah. pictures. They, <laughs> We're terrible now. I can't think yeah, of it. They bring out a lot of unofficial DVDs. And they, they're the guys that bring out those really cool, uh, the Doctors, like the Tom Baker years or the Pat Troughton years, those right. sorts of things. So they've got a very uh, long sort of history with, with Doctor Who documentaries and uh, sort of extended universe stories, I guess you could put it that way. Uh, a bit of a Star Wars term, but you know what I mean. It's like taking these characters that have been involved in mainstream Doctor Who and giving them their own story and so on. So this one is going to be based around Sill, and it's called uh, Sill and the Devil Seeds of Arador. Mm. And the little bit of blurb for this is, uh, Sill is worried, very worried, uh, which doesn't keep his reptilian skin in the best condition. Uh, confined in a cold detention cell on the moon awaiting a, de- uh, a, de- a deportation hearing for trial on drug offences on Earth. He faces a death sentence if the application is successful and he's found guilty. And his employers at the Universal Monterey Fund aren't pleased either. Not at all. As time runs out and friends desert him, Sill must use all of his devious, vile, underhanded, ruthless and amoral business acumen to survive. Can he possibly slime his way out of this one? <laughs> <laughs> So, there we go. It's out on Blu-ray and DVD. The DVD will set you back 13 quid. The Blu-ray will be roughly 17 quid, and it's out in November, so the end of the year. Yeah, I like the cover. It's really cool. I like this sort of graphic artwork of Sill. Well, I don't know. It's just really cool, that is. Um, I'm really intrigued by this, aren't you? I mean, like, this has just sprung out of nowhere, and, like, how... Because I'm assuming I don't know what the sort of budget for something like this sort of production would be. Because obviously it's not funded by the BBC or anything. Um, yeah, yeah. So have they dug out the old seal suit and sort of glued it back together? Or is he going to get a new suit? And I'm just really intrigued to see this. And I actually quite like the little write up about it. I think it sounds pretty good. So I'm quite intrigued by this one. It I, does. I, I, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Brilliant that the Bill Shaban is coming back. I bet. But he was thrilled when he got the call and said, "Yeah, we're going to do a seal." Yeah. you know, story. So that's, that's really cool. I think. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That he's coming back to do it. Very cool. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. Uh, and he was great in, in Vengeance on Varus as a little green dude. It's the best <laughs> thing, <isn't> it? <laughs> his little, I like his little beeping heart monitor thing, or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. If that's your cup of tea, uh, the sort of unofficial style stories, then you might want to pick that up. It's on Amazon to order at the moment. Yes. Yeah, I probably will get that. Right. Uh, coming out in book form at long last, John Levine has done his autobiography. <laughs> uh, coming out from Phantom Publishing. Uh, it's called Run the Shadows, Walk the Sun, A Life. Uh, just give you a little bit of blurb about it. It says, this is the emotional and truthful account of a life that should not have been lived. We follow the pure highs and brutal lows of a working class Salisbury lad and has struggled to get away from his origins as an ill, undereducated and misunderstood boy with no genuine prospects in a world he did not fit. Uh, Run the Shadows, Walk the Sun demonstrates that your life is not automatically set out for you when you were born. And this comes out, when is this out? Let's have a look. It's out uh, the end of the month, 25th of Feb. 25th. Yeah, yep. it's an interesting one because I've met John Levine a couple of times and he is a very complex man. Uh, there's, you know, I just never, I've seen so many different sides of John Levine. Yeah. Um, when I first met him, I thought he was amazing. He was on top form. He was fun. He was brilliant. I met him a couple of times since, and I've seen a very different side to him. Uh, and then, you know, the last time I met him, uh, it was quite a good experience, but it, it he's, there is so much going on in that man's head. Uh, <laughs> and I think an autobiography, um, by him will be very interesting. I hope it is truthful because he's, <laughs> He's got a lot of views on things, a lot of strong views on things. And also, I think it would be good. I'm hoping he sort of tells a bit of his life story, fills in a few gaps maybe we don't know about. So, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how truthful this is and, and get into the mindset of John Levine, I think. Yes. Have yeah. you met him? I can't remember if you've ever met him. Yeah, I've met him twice now. Yeah, I thought you had. Yeah, yeah. both times he's been okay with me, actually. But I've heard, mm. I've heard people say... He was a bit of a, a beep to them. I've, I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen many different sides. But he was, he was brilliant the first time I met him. It was just everything I imagined he would be, which is so much fun. He was just doing videos for everyone. He seemed so engaged with everyone meeting him. Well, he recorded and a little clip for you, didn't he? For he the did podcast. for my yeah. very first podcast. Yeah, he was mm. brilliant. And um, yeah, I met him perhaps a year later and, and just a very different person. He just seemed just totally different experience. Not a particularly good one. Um, and then I've met him since, and and it's been an okay experience. You know, I, uh, he's been nice, but you just get the feeling there is something about John Levine, and um, he seems almost—I oh, don't know—don't know how to put it. He just seems like there's a lot going on with him. Let's mm -hmm. put it that way, you know. And I'm not by any means, you know, putting him down or or whatever. I'm just saying I've seen different sides to him, and, it, and the book shows uh, two, four, five different faces on the cover as well. So. I think there is a there is a lot to know about John Levine. I'm just wondering how much he's actually going to sort of reveal right, in this book. Right. So I think it could be a very interesting read. Mm. Mm. Old Benton. Benton, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if you want to pick up the book, you can, you can pre-order it now. Um, you can get signed copies as well, if you want. If you just yes. head over to Phantom mm. Publishing... .co.uk, Phantom with an F, not a PH. Uh, right on the homepage there, new title Tuesday, they've just announced it. You can click through that and, yeah, it's 20 quid, 19 99 Hmm. Yes. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I might. I'm interested in it. I'm not sure if I'll get it or not. Yeah, yeah. Won't see what people say. Yeah, I mean, it sounds relatively interesting because he mm. was around uh, a very cool era from who. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if he goes into. I mean, we all know how much he he loves John Pertwee, and it'd be yeah. good if he goes into, you know, his time on Doctor, which I'm sure he will. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. So that's it for news and merch. It's review time, buddy. Mm. Getting into the two parters now. Yeah, what we got? So yeah, so Matt Smith era the series six. Remember that? Series six. Series six. Yeah. And uh, so we're reviewing the two-parter, which is the Rebel Flesh and the Almost People. There are people coming. Well, almost. Almost coming. Almost people. They're monsters. Mistakes. They have to be destroyed. If we want to live, then it's time to go to war. Hello. How are you getting on? And it'll destroy them all. You're one of us, Doctor. Yes, kicking off with the Rebel Flesh into the Almost People. So Rebel Flesh first came to our screens back in 2011, 21st of May. Uh, it was written by Matthew Graham, directed by Julian Simpson. And then uh, the Almost People, a week later on the 28th of May, written directed by the same people, starring our TARDIS crew at the time, the Doctor, Amy and Rory, and uh, a reasonably sized supporting cast for these two. The story is the, the Doctor and Amy and Rory arrive at this little castle somewhere in the middle of a solar storm and find out that the crew are actually... Uh, sort of uh, military contractors who are uh, doing this sort of pumping this acid stuff uh, to the mainland from this little island from where they are, and uh, the um, they sort of up their work rate, if you like, by duplicating themselves into what's called gangers who carry out all the work for them. But there's kind of disposable. There's a bit of a as uh, he we usually find in Doctor Who. There's a little bit of a moral. Um, thing going on here should these uh, gangers uh, be treated as proper people they have feelings and emotions and all that stuff but the crew there actually don't feel that way at first they feel like yeah they're just disposable whatever Uh, it turns out that um, they do have feelings very strong feelings and emotions and stuff because they sort of form a little rebellion against the actual humans and uh, there's a little bit of twisty stuff going on at the end with Who's a duplicate? Who's a ganger? Who's not? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. So, yeah, Matt Smith, two-parter. What do you reckon to this one? Mm. Um, so I haven't watched this, I don't think, since it first aired. Okay. Um, so I have very, very patchy memories of it. And I was thinking, oh, why haven't I watched it? Is it bad? I don't remember it being bad. Just don't remember it. So in other words, an unmemorable story in my mine so I, I bunged this on last night it just didn't know what to expect so oh is it going to be is it going to be rubbish what you know why have i not rewatched this story and do you know what the actual premise and ideas in this i think are absolutely brilliant right and um and i enjoyed the first part uh, rebel flesh just for me it just runs out of steam 
when we get to the almost people, but it's still good. But it's, so in a way, it's better than I remembered because uh, right. I think the actual storyline is great. And Matt Smith is phenomenal in it. He's brilliant, especially when we've got two of him. Because uh, I'm thinking, you know, how if you think of the Nightmare in Silver where you had to sort of act as a dual personality, I don't think that worked. But this absolutely works. He's fantastic um, in those scenes where he's playing two versions of the Doctor. So this is a real strange one for me, mate, because in, on many levels, I really enjoyed it. Right. Much more than I thought, because as I said, I hadn't rewatched it, so I thought it was going to be awful. So I really enjoyed it, but I also found bits of it really tedious. I was, I wasn't looking at my phone, but I was looking at the clock on the DVD player, I kept thinking, "How long's left?" Because <laughs> I sort of wanted it to wrap up, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I loved the storyline, I loved the premise of it, and I loved a lot of stuff going on in it. Mm-hmm. But I can't explain it really. But I also was finding bits of it really tedious. Like I just. Loved the story, but I just wanted it to kind of wrap up nicely. It just seemed to drag on a bit. Um, so when I say it ran out of steam in the second episode, I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. It just, I don't know, it, did, it seemed like it had a brilliant premise, but just didn't quite have enough sparkle to keep me engaged, if you know what I mean. Right. right. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed one, this. I, but I, I kind of liked it, you know, when, when, it, when it finally did get to the end and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think episode two was a bit messy mm-hmm. overall. Um, but when it sort of kind of wrapped up, I, I thought it's decent. It's I certainly wouldn't say it's bad, and I'm not sure why I haven't rewatched it before now because I think it's quite a good story overall. Um, just I don't know. It just it just it feels like it could have been an absolute classic. This one, I think it just somehow doesn't quite reach those heights. Right, um, right. Just sort of needed a bit more sparkle to it because this idea of the gangers and. You don't know who's a ganger and who's a not, and then them turning on their human sort of forms, and it's it's a brilliant idea. I don't know if it's been done before, but it, it's a great concept. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's I, th- I think it's good. I do think it's a good one. Perhaps a little, uh, perhaps slightly underrated. I know this gets a bad press. This one a lot, hmm. um, but I, I think it's pretty good, but just not great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? Yes, I think it's a it's definitely a mixed bag this one. Mm. The best way to describe it. I think it has some great elements to it. But at the same time it doesn't feel like it needed to be a two-parter for me. No. I think the second part has got so much filler in there. Yeah, there's a lot of running around and yeah, yeah. there's a lot of um I think they try to build the anticipation a lot mm. because you've got the one of the characters goes a bit rogue more than the others. So I think it's, yeah, Jennifer, her character goes a bit off the beaten path, so to speak. Mm. And it's all about, well, the second half seems to me about, will they find her in time? Will Rory find her in time? You know, she's kind of uh, lighting the fire under the rebellion, isn't she? Because yeah. uh, uh, when I, I'm the same as you, I haven't seen this in so long. And I thought it was the character Cleves, you know, she's the, the one in charge. Mm. I thought it was her that I think, oh, well, I thought it was her ganger that was, you know, leading the charge, so to speak. But yeah. Cause she's quite, she's the strongest personality out of all the, the ones in there, isn't she? So yes. I can see why you'd think that. Yeah. yeah but it, now when I watched this yesterday, I thought, Oh no, it's Jennifer. She's the one that's, mm. she's the one that turns into the, the big sort of monster style, the big neck, the thing. Yeah. Towards the end. <laughs> and, uh, but I think that a lot of that stuff could have been covered in the first episode. 
Mm. And then the climax would have been her, you know, hulking out and and what and all the rest of it. So I, I do feel like the second episode is just it, it. I can see what they were trying to do. There's like, like the first episode, the Rebel Flesh is uh, like setting up the whole thing about the 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 the, the acid or the goop, whatever that duplicates mm. people and and setting up that that morale issue along you know around the whole thing and then the second one they're building up the action and the suspense you know who's going to survive are the doppelgangers going to survive will they be saved and all the rest of it um yeah but i just feel yeah like you i didn't really reach for my phone i wasn't browsing twitter or instagram while this was going on but i did exactly the same as you i did sort of sit there and think there must this must be wrapping up soon i think i've been mm. watching this for nearly 40 minutes already and then when i looked at the the little um progress indicator on netflix it said you know 21 minutes had gone past and you got like <laughs> 28 yeah. minutes left or whatever i was like crikey moses what's left to do then yeah you know, yeah um so yeah i think overall it's a it, it is a good story i know it gets a bit of a bad rap now and then i think um if you were to talk to people about it and say what do you reckon to the rebel flesh you most people they're like oh yeah not impressed with that one so mm. but you know we don't you know our opinions are not driven by that, um, but it does get a bad press, and I'm not sure why it gets such a bad press because it is a decent. And Matt Smith is great in it, really. He's absolutely brilliant in this story. Yeah, really yeah. good. I think Amy and Rory are fairly quiet. I think Rory has a pretty good show. He sort of, it's nice to see him getting something to do. <laughs> like you know, he kept, he's sort of running after that that woman, and there's a bit of an interest there. And it's yeah, it's definitely a good one for Rory. Amy just doesn't seem she just loitering around a lot and she she doesn't yeah. get a lot yeah. to do she does feel a bit like a spare part in this one i mean there is one great scene where the ganger doctor i assume is goes turns really nasty shoves against the wall and i was like oh god that's a that's harsh oh yeah that's a yeah. very uncomfortable scene and she's both of them are brilliant in it mm. and she then after that point she doesn't trust him um so she gets a few good moments like that and there's a nice scene when the two doctors are sort of tinkering around behind a <laughs> computer and she's saying, you know, the bow ties are cool and he finishes each other's sense. So there's a few nice scenes between the doctor and Amy, but most of the time she's a bit of a spare part in this, uh, I think. But Rory, it's good. Rory gets some stuff to do for a change, yeah. which I think yeah. is good. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of, um, he, he develops a bit of a sweet spot, doesn't he, for Jennifer and yeah, wants to help her out and stuff. And Yeah. I, I remember when I first watched this, I thought, oh no. Amy's going to go mental at him. But yeah. she doesn't, does she? She kind of has this look of uh, pride almost. It's like, yeah, that's 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 my husband. You know, he's taking care of somebody. Yeah. You know. So that was a quite a nice surprise because Amy's been written to be this quite harsh person towards mm-hmm. Rory in, the, in some episodes. She's really not that nice to him. Yeah. So I remember when I first watched it, I was like, oh no, don't go down this road of having them having a big Barney in the middle of the story and... So no, that was quite good, and it does sort of allow Rory to um to uh, do some stuff, not just follow Amy around in his little puppy dog eyes and have a little whinge at the doctor now and then. So that's good. Yeah, I must admit, I thought that when he when he first hugs, what's the character called? Jennifer. When he first hugs Jennifer. Yeah. Jennifer, yeah, and Amy looked over and thought, uh oh, she's going to kick off, but she sort of gives him a nod of approval because she realizes it's not. There's nothing in it. He's just yeah. trying to comfort her. And I thought, oh, that's, that's good. I, I thought that as well. Yeah. The problem is it, it feels like, to me, there's 
not enough going on for two episodes, but it's too good a story for one. That's why I sort of feel. That's why I think it, it could have been really good. I think it just needed a bit of injection of sparkle here and there to really lift it up to being a great two-parter. But do you know what I mean? It feels like there's there's more than enough for for two stories, but it just doesn't quite. Um, sorry, there's more than enough for one story, but it doesn't quite have enough for two. Yeah. So yeah. I just feel like yeah, it needed it needed something in the middle of it. Um, I was going to say it needed the Moff, Moffat to come in and add a few bits, you know, stick his fingers <laughs> in the box. But I think he did anyway, didn't he? From what I understand, he had a bit of a influence. Although he's not credited as a, anything to do with writing, Matthew Graham was the writer of both parts. I think the Moff chipped in with a th- few ideas of what he wanted in it, from what I understand. That's right, yes. And um, I, th- I think the Moff was quite keen to make sure that this was linked into the mid series finale remember that yeah that's right yeah 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 so i think he tinkered a little bit actually you know that's just made me think i think that one of the reasons i think i haven't gone back to this two-parter is not actually to do with this two-parter at all i think it's to do with series six because i never reach for series six that's right so actually i think that's the reason that i've not rewatched this it's nothing to do with um the story itself it's, it's just because i never go to series six because i if i think of series six i think of a complicated story arc that's in you know you get bits of it in between every story so like in this one we keep seeing old um what's it, she called madam whatever she in, she's credited yeah. as eye patch lady <laughs> in this um so we keep she pops up a couple of times and series six i just remember thinking it was hard to follow and um Maybe I should go back and watch it from the start because I guess when you watch it as a whole, I assume it kind of makes a lot more sense. But when you were watching it back then, not knowing where you're going, it was a a series of twists and turns, and you know, yeah, yep. it it wasn't the easiest series to, to sort of just you know, if you feel like bunging on an episode, you know, when you get home from work, it's not that sort of series, really, is it? It's not. They're not really standalone, easy watch stories that you can just put on and think, oh, this is a good one. Like, you know, Unicorn or the Wasp or something like that. That's just a bit yeah. easy going. This is a series six was a quite a complicated series in my mind. Anyway, as I said, so I haven't really gone back to many stories from that because of it. Yeah. I think we, when we've reviewed certain stories from this mm. era, we've, I think we comment on that stuff quite a lot. So why did they, because they, this is the one, isn't it? Where they cut the series in half. And they put the I other half think of it on. So I could be wrong, but I think they did like a mid a mid series finale, which is this one. Yeah. And then the, well, these two, sorry. And then later on in the year, it came back. A good man goes to war, and that was. I'm pretty sure they split this one up. That's yeah, because Let's Kill Hitler kicks off the second part, if I remember rightly. Or was it? No, it wasn't. No. 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 no well, the almost people went out in May. And then a good man goes to war. Oh no, it was no. They didn't split it up. It must have been a different series then. Sorry, mm. but um, I think that was the moth trying to do different stuff though. Because I remember when we reviewed these other stories from this series, it does have like a very series arc feel to it. Mm. You know, it, there is a lot of things that pop up you know, consistently in each story. It links the whole arc together. So that was kind of what we've spoken about before, where. Sometimes the Moff's era buckles under its own weight a little bit because, it, you know, instead of having these really cool isolated stories that you can just treat as a one-off adventure, 
you can't really do that because there's stuff linked to everything else. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, this ties up the whole because if this series six starts with the it's the the on the desert on the dune and you know where he gets shot and all that isn't it the impossible astronaut isn't that that's series six isn't it where and then the whole series is all about how does he survive isn't it from what i remember see this is the thing i it's so long since i've gone back to series six i can't even remember i i guess looking at the episode list you know doctor's wife is kind of standalone but then yeah good man goes to war god yeah. complex there's a few you know and then wedding of river song good grief you know um yeah, so it's it's a bit of a it's a very odd series, I think. Series six. Yeah, I think it doesn't kick off. Uh, it is weird, isn't it? Series six. I, I I completely agree with you, mate. It's a bit of a, and I think that's why I'm I'm with you on that one. If I want to watch some Matt Smith, I don't sort of generally navigate to series six on the shelf, no, or on Netflix or whatever. I just sort of yeah, they're a bit in depth or too in depth. Cause, yeah, because series seven. Is that the one? So Series 7 is more, that's when they went for the sort of standalone movie-style posters episode, wasn't it? Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so they're a bit more accessible, if you like. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah, they had these very, because also in Series 7, that's when, uh, I don't know if you remember, but we saw quite a big jump in terms of the cinematic quality and they, they all looked like mini films almost and they did look very cool, but. That's right. Yeah, I remember. Remember, they were going for that big style blockbuster thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, back to to these two. And I mean, in terms of, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Because they, it, you can treat it perfectly as a as an isolated standalone little story of two parts. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. this yeah. this concept, unless Big Finish have explored it, I'm not sure. But this particular crew of people and this concept and this location don't appear anymore. In the, in the series or mm. or Doctor Who at all, as far as I'm aware. So um, you can treat it as that, but we do have this whole thing with Amy being pregnant and the eye patch lady. What's her name? I can't remember. Is it Madame Kavarian? That's it, yeah. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's obviously plugged in there. So if you were new to Doctor Who or if you just sat down and your mate came over and you're like, I'm going to watch some Doctor Who, I'll crack it on then. They'd probably be like, what's going on here then? Who's that? eye patch lady and what you know all that stuff so <laughs> well the the ending as well when the doctor says to Rory stand away from her and he turns her to goop Matt I mean again the, if anyone says to me oh Matt Smith can't act as doctor I'm like D- D- you know rubbish just look look at him in scenes like that he's in phenomenal you yeah, know yeah. but it does it does lead into then suddenly Amy's actually never been there the whole time which I, I really struggled to get my head around um, again maybe I need to go back and watch series six to to make sense of it all but i could never get my head around that that she was never there the whole time and all that sort of stuff but again i think as a casual viewer that's yeah you're gonna find that confusing yeah but yeah you're right i mean that's the thing i i think that's why perhaps this was better than i was expecting because i think a series six i think of complications of story strands that will be followed up two years later and you know i think of things like that and so watching this i was thinking actually this is pretty standalone this is better than i was expecting it's you know, it's quite accessible. Yeah, there's the odd bit in it um, that you'd be like, well, what's that all about? Especially the ending and stuff. But yeah, most yeah. of it is pretty standalone, which is good. Yeah. yeah, which is why I think I was pleasantly surprised for most of the time. Yeah. Now, now I, I do recall now the Series 6, this definitely was the one that was split in half. So yeah. the Almost People wasn't a finale. It was actually A Good Man Goes to War. That was the mm. mid-season or mid-series finale. Yeah. And that went out in June. 
And then it wasn't until August that we picked up with Let's Kill Hitler. Right, okay. Yeah, yes. I thought I had a feeling Let's Kill Hitler was sort of a start of something. Because I remember going to a BFI screening of it, like it was some sort of special event. Like, you know, So I remember thinking there was something about Let's yeah. Kill Hitler. Boy, but, what a story that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me load this up. Yeah, so A Good Man Goes to War, 4th of June, and then Let's Kill Hitler was the, tw- the end of August, 27th. So yeah. yeah, that's another reason why I don't gravitate towards this because that bloody mid-series break, mm. it was, um, yeah. I, I, have they done that? They, 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 yeah, they did that again with Series 7. I thought they did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you go up to the Angels Take Manhattan, then you had the Christmas special, The Snowmen, and then it wasn't until March the following year you got the bells of St. John, and then you crack on with the rest of it. What the... Blimey, yeah. yeah. See, this is one of the things that when we say, <laughs> whenever we complain about the moth, it's these type of things. It's got nothing to do with his creativity or his competency to be a showrunner or anything like that. It's these bloody decisions to cut the series in half and all these strands and arcs and everything. Mm. Come on, moth bag. <laughs> uh, he on. doesn't care now. He's growing a beard. Yeah, having us some wine. It's, it's, it's over for him. Yeah, unless well, he, he comes back one day. He's listening to this now thinking, I'll F off the period. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> get on with it. <laughs> Let's get back to some story stuff for these two then. What did you think mm. to the whole concept then of having these doppelgangers, you know, affectionately known as gangers, these duplicates legging around and causing havoc? I like the idea of that. I thought that was a really cool... Mm. And they look pretty creepy as well. Yeah, I thought the the production actually stood up quite well because I remember mm. thinking at the time some of the CGI was a bit dodgy, but um, it's not that bad actually for the for the most part. There's the odd bit where you, if you want to be critical, you could say, "Oh, that doesn't look very good." Or, but <laughs> for the most part, I think the episode looks pretty good production wise. Yeah, um, the gangers themselves look look good, uh, especially Matt Smith's one. It's really quite gross when he first comes around and he's got that sort of gooey face and the eyes and everything um i I think it's a great concept actually uh not just the duplication thing but just the whole reason behind why they would have duplicates and using them for the manual work and they just sort of control them like a forklift truck i think she says and it's a really good idea of of you know the reason behind the gangers Uh, and then we see that scene where there's a pile of them all the disused gangers and that's really creepy and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So there is, there is some great stuff going on in this two part, a really good ideas. Uh, maybe it's just not ex- executed as well as it might've been, I think, but there's some, yeah. yeah, the actual concept and the story I think is, is really good. It's re- yeah. That was one of the things where you, you can't really lay a load of slack on for that because the mm. idea is, is fantastic. It's really, it is, yeah. And it does create a kind of, almost a horror element to the story because, and it was quite cool at the end when, because you assume naturally that the gangers would somehow melt away and the humans would be rescued or some of them would be killed, whatever. But there's actually a couple of cool twists towards the end, isn't there? So the guy, um, the Scottish guy, I think his name's Jimmy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Jimmy, he played by Mark um, Bernard. He's, um, his character, it actually ends up that his ganger goes off the island, doesn't he? And goes back to his, because there's that emotional. To the kid, yeah, the seat, yeah. Yeah, so we have that emotional thread where, and that's what comes, that, that's what I think the whole story boils down to is that, uh, that, that essence of, yes, they're not, they haven't been born as human, but they've been duplicated with the same 
memories and feelings and emotions and stuff. So does it make them any less human at face value sort of thing? That's, yeah. You know, the whole story That's boils whole down thing. to that thing. Yeah. So it's really, it's a really nice little moment because there's this conflict between, uh, I don't want to oversimplify it and say that there's this conflict between right and wrong, but you have certain times in the story, especially the second part, where the, the gangers are kind of just fed up with it, really. They're, they're mm. like, you know, we shouldn't, you know, should we be doing this? Should we not be doing it? And then you have Jennifer, you know, egging them on sort of thing. But you do have that moment, don't you, where um, the two Jimmies are sort of confronting each other to begin with. They're like, well, I'm no less human than you are. And he's my son as well as he's your son. And I should be happy mm. about his birthday in the same way that you are, you know, there's this conflict. And at the end is that lovely moment where the real Jimmy gets killed and he transfers, he almost transfers his life, doesn't he, over to the ganger. Mm. And it's kind of saying, you know, our son, he sort of, a, he acknowledges that now, doesn't he? Like our son needs a dad. So go and be a dad sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I Which think, is a great idea. Yeah. It's a nice, yeah, it's a nice little twist. Yeah. But you do, but early on in the story, you, I know I did when I first watched it. I thought uh, these gangers are going to be destroyed in some way. And mm. I, did, I, I didn't see one of them or at least two of them leaving the island and the humans getting killed because it's not something you generally see in Doctor Who. The Doctor normally saves the day and the humans yeah. survive and stuff. So, mm. yeah, you kind of have to, you know, Matthew Graham, he did write a cool a cool story in that respect. And those little twists as well. So we have the um, uh, the sacrifice by a couple of the humans as well, so that the, I think Cleves, she stays behind the ganger, doesn't she? She kind of accepts yep. her, you know, that they're equal. So one of them has to go, I might as well stay so you can be saved and so on. But mm. the the cool twists, uh, and I'm not talking about Amy at the very end, but the cool twist was when the doctor kind of has his own little experiment going on, his own little emotional social experiment, if you like, within the group, because at the end of, um, the rebel flesh we see the ganger doctor don't we at the very end yeah so he's his duplicate and they swap shoes don't they because earlier on in the episode the doctor has his shoes melted by the acid so he has to That's borrow right. another pair but what he doesn't tell Amy and Rory is that those two have actually swapped shoes so he's trying to find you know he, he's sort of got his own little agenda if you like and he treats Amy in a certain way and she always assumes that she's talking to that doctor who she thinks is the real one and treating him a certain way and treating the other one, the copy, in another way. Yeah. But the doctor sort of engineered it as to be, well, actually, you know, we all need to learn something here because I'm not actually the doctor you think I am. And it's all a bit of a learning experience for those guys. And he's, you know, being the doctor, he's at the center of it all. But I really like that twist, though. I'd never saw that one coming. No, I, I didn't either. And I, I was wondering at what point did he swap the shoes as well? So that scene where he throws Amy against the wall, is that the doctor or the ganger? Uh, or I don't think we that, know? Do I we think, know when he's... Yeah, that is the doctor, I think. Really? Yeah, because yeah. that's quite... Yeah. Again, that's what I love about Masmit's doctor is we see different sides to him. Like, you know, he can switch from... Most of the time he's quite light and fun and jokey, but there is... There is a dark side to Matt's Doctor that comes out every now and again like yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, and also the end of um, Dino- Dinosaurs on a Spaceship when he lets the, whatever his name is die. And every now and again, there's these dark sides to Matt's Doctor. And I think he's brilliant at playing that. So that's what I figured, you know, when he says at the end, you know, oh, we switch shoes. I was like, oh, so was that you 
doing that to Amy because that yeah. was quite, yeah. you know, quite harsh. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good twist. There's a couple of good bits like that. There was for sure. Yeah. Mm. And it's sometimes twists can be really well done and they can sort of really catch you on the hop and you think, oh, crikey. Other times they can be a bit predictable. You sort of sit there and think, well, I saw that coming a mile off. Yeah. yeah. This one, fortunately, I, and uh, the one with Amy at the end, because that really, I think the performance from Arthur Darville really sells that at the end. Yep. Both him and um, Matt Smith, those two, when they're together, it doesn't matter if they're playing an emotional scene or a comedic scene. Those two are so good yes. together. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, yeah. really, really good. And it, you can tell that, because I think when you've seen them, like a few years ago when they were quite prominent on the convention scene together doing like Q&As and talks and stuff, they always had really good chemistry. Definitely, yeah. Always larking about and having a laugh and stuff. But it's just, it's not. sometimes it's not even what they say to each other. Just as actors, the way they look at each other mm. in a scene is just bang on, you know? And it's that really sold it to me because you've got the Doctor getting quite angry at the very end. He's like, you step away because he, he's 100% sure he knows that she's a, she's a duplicate. Mm. He 100% knows that. He's and, worked it out, yeah. Yeah. And earlier on in the story... That I did have a little inkling as to what as, uh, there might be duplicates running around that we weren't aware of because <clears throat> the doctor complains that because they all get wiped out, don't they, by the solar mm. storm? And yeah. then the doctor's like, it, they all feel like they've been out for a couple of minutes. But I think it's Cleves that said, actually, we've been out for over an hour or whatever. That's right. Yeah. So I did have a feeling then, right, okay, something's happened within that hour. You know, there's mm. bound to have been a little bit of foul play almost. Something is afoot. Mm. And, uh, but I never suspect, I never once thought that Amy would have been duplicated in that time. Because I'm, I'm assuming that's when she was. She, uh, um, or something. Because that's the only time that we don't see her with the Doctor and nowhere near the goopy. You see, I, this is where I get confused. Um, see, I, I thought I'd read that, I thought I'd read that she was taken like right from the start. I don't know. I'm oh, really confused. Yeah, I'm really confused by when she was duplicated. Yes, because the doctor says, you haven't been here for a very long time. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know when she got taken. That, that's what I mean. I'm, even now I'm confused. I, I, I really, at some point, will go back and watch Series 6 and try and get my head around it. Because there's probably people listening to this that that know and and if you do then let us know on facebook or twitter because it is a bit confusing but i've no idea when she was duplicated for some yeah for some reason i always thought that in that hour where everybody was was out i mm. always thought that that was when she was but no yeah you're right it must have been way before then yeah so when I was mean, she duplicated before then i don't know i don't know but it was a great twist though at the end it was a really good and rory really he's petrified isn't he He's protective, mm. but then he's petrified. And then when she does sort of drip away into nothing, it is that, oh my God, oh my God, where is she then? And then you see her on the ship. She's about to, to give birth. You think, crikey Moses. I'd completely forgotten about it as well. As I said, because I haven't watched this, you know, again since. I, when that moment come, I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I forgot about all this stuff. You know, and it is a shocking like I'm, I can't remember, but I'm sure at the time I would have been like open mouthed watching this go out. Uh, it is quite, quite a moment actually. Yeah, 
is it's definitely pulls the rug from underneath you. And and all the other little bits make sense then in terms of the doctor keeps saying to her, Amy, breathe and all this sort of stuff. And you're like, what's, what's he on about? And she's like that. And she, what's he on about? Breathe. Yeah. So all those little moments make sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great, it is a great, great moment. I think at the end, totally out, well, well acted by all three of them. Actually, it, it does make you go, OMG. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Really like the setting for this one. The castle or whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, as soon as they landed, I thought, I was there recently. I know that. I know that castle. Yeah, Castle Castle, yeah. Uh, I was there like in October, November, something Mm. like that. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, yep, because you can tell by all, Caerphilly is like a really round, all of the various parts of the castle are all circular and round. Yeah. Yeah, There isn't much in the way of straight walls there. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, I know that castle. But yeah, really lovely Did you recognise... Did you recognise any of the interior bits? Yeah, yeah. So the um, the bits the, there's a, a a big room at Ikafili, and it's got these, um, I guess you can call it like modern floorboards. I suppose it's all been wooden, sort of boarded out because um, the the floors obviously damaged years ago, whatever. So when they're, I think it was one of the big rooms where, you know, they 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 slot themselves into that big harness thing to control the gangers. I think that's how it works. The, the, yeah. the real people. So that big room there and everything, I'm pretty sure that's one of the main halls that you can walk through. Mm. Um, and then there's one of the, one of the bits where they're running up and down the circular stairs um, away from, yeah, I think it's, I think it's when Rory is chasing after Jennifer. You can see him running down this quite sort of tight circular staircase. I tell you what, mate, those stairs are horrible. <laughs> how, how he didn't slip because they're really, um, they're really narrow and they're yeah. really steep as well. So how he didn't go flying down those because he's running quite fast. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, but it's, it's a great place over. If anyone's not been over to Caerphilly, it's a really it's a it's a really small little town, but it's got this huge castle <laughs> like on the other mm-hmm. like um, like the the main road that runs through the town on the right hand side of it. It's a bit like Cardiff, really. On yeah. one side of the road, you've got the town centre and all that stuff. And then on the other side, you've got the castle. It's a really cool place. Very, very cool. It, it looked kind of familiar as well. I was thinking they, they, I think they filmed quite a few stories there, didn't they? Like I kept thinking of Vamp- um, Vampires of Venice. I kept thinking, is that the, that looks a bit like that room and stuff like that. So I think they've used it for a few, few stories. They have. Yeah. They filmed, yeah. Um, I, I think they filmed Heaven Sent and Hell Bent in there. Yeah, that the fireplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was that was the fireplace I was looking for in the wrong castle, and That's I was right. walking yeah. around Cardiff Castle saying, "Where's that fireplace he was by?" And I, yeah, wrong castle. But yeah, I think they filmed a few bits there. Yeah, yeah, they have. It's a great place. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So the setting's really cool. So you mentioned the CG earlier, and uh, mm. uh, you know, a, a lot of few fans will say that the the CG hasn't particularly dated that well. Like you, I thought some of it was okay. One of the things that I really liked is the outside shots when you see the storm engulfing the castle and all that stuff. I thought that looked really nice. And I guess what they're referring to is when Jennifer morphs into the the big ugly creature thing towards the end and also when like the big elasticated arm comes out the door and punches Rory oh, in the that's face. It. Yeah, yeah. And then her head comes out and stuff. I can see where they're coming with those things. They don't look amazing. But then again, it was, you know, 
what was it? 2011. Yeah, it's going back a few years now. So we all know that who hasn't had the biggest budgets in the world where it concerns mm. these things. So, But I don't think it's that bad. I, it certainly wasn't as bad as I remembered. I, I remember thinking that at the time, you know, oh dear, they, that, those bits don't look very good. But I, yeah, I don't think they look that bad at all. Um, like they're not cringy. I don't, you know, like the bit with the, her long neck. Yeah. I think still works hmm. perfectly well. I don't sort of sit there and sort of cringe and think, oh, that, oh, that's dated really badly. And like you said, the shots of the castle and that look lovely. The way they've CGI'd all around it and stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, it's dated better than I thought. It, it doesn't look amazing, but it, but it doesn't look bad. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't look too bad. Mm. Yeah. What do you think to, um, we mentioned earlier that Matt Smith plays an absolute belter. He does. As yeah. two doctors. Uh, you made a comparison between that and what was it? Nightmare and Silver. Yeah. This is very cool though. This one. Yeah, definitely. Cause when he was doing that thing, Mr. Clever, he's called and Ian nightmare and Silver. when he was yeah. doing that, I don't know why it just didn't, his acting just wasn't that great, but in this, he's superb playing off against himself. And, uh, I love it when the, the the ganger doctor first appears as well, and he's not quite settled in. Yeah. He starts throwing in a load of quotes, doesn't he, that he's getting all wrong. Um, Reversing the polarity he, and stuff. And Yeah, what yeah. is it he says? Is it something like reverse the jelly baby of the neutron flow? He says it <laughs> sort of gets it all wrong. And, yeah. um, but there's a couple of really nice little quotes thrown in there, mm. uh, which I thought was a great touch because it um, – it totally works. It's not like they, they don't sort of feel forced in, like, oh, they've put a quote in. Because, he, you know, he is trying to be the Doctor and he's finding, working his way through the Doctors to get to the 11th. And it's, it, I thought it was a really nice moment. And um, Matt's great, actually, playing against himself. Like, because it yeah. suits his Doctor, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. he's always sort of, he's always talking to himself anyway, isn't he? And um, so to actually have him talking to himself, it, it works brilliantly, I think. Yeah, it's a highlight as well especially in the second episode, The Almost People, he's, he's just really, um, it's just so natural. Him, you know, that part of it has done really, really well mm. because he's obviously shooting some scenes with the rest of the actors and he's relying on somebody else off, off camera saying the lines back to him. Yeah. And it must be really tricky or, or very difficult to... Not only it's a bit like when actors have to act in front of green screens and imagine environments and monsters and stuff. I know it, some actors say that you know after a while you sort of get used to it and you, you get into that mindset of just imagining stuff. But with Matt Smith, he had that to contend with. Like he has to imagine that there's a person, you know, a few feet away that he has to bounce off of. Because I think that's one of the that's one of the qualities of good actors is that you have that rapport with other actors and you bounce off of each other and you don't follow the script to the exact letter and you do little tiny things that you know make you 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 know your performance as an actor so Mm -hmm. he's got that to contend with but then he has to then think i'm not only acting to an imaginary person here but that's me how would (laughs) how would me over there reply back to me if that makes sense so he that's just one of his strengths though and i think that's you can say what you like about the Moffs era and Matt Smith as the Doctor, but he's such a good actor. And in this role particularly, there's nothing that he, he hasn't taken. And what's the best way to describe it? When they're going through their read-throughs and they've got the script in front mm. of them, 
there are probably some actors that think, bloody hell, how am I going to do this? Mm. You know, this sounds crazy. How am I going to do it? But I just get the feeling that Matt Smith was like, you know, bring it on. Let's, yeah, let's make yeah. this the best he it can be. He runs with it. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah. He's, yeah. He's very good at acting the subtle differences as well because it's supposed to be, you know, he's the same person as he keeps saying, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. But there is a slightly darker, slightly darker, more still figuring himself outside to the Goppel doppelganger doctor, um, which then, as I said, at some point turns out to be the real doctor. So it's really good because you do feel like they're ever so slightly different. Like one of them does feel a lot darker and, but you're never quite sure which one's the doctor when you watch it a second time, obviously, because you know that they switched and it's, it, it does play it brilliantly, yeah. you know, and all the little one lines about, ah, oh, this is a nice barrel. I'll take a seat here. <laughs> and all that. It's just so good at delivering lines like that and stuff. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, did you think this was a, a good conclusion? Because some of the Moffs era stories that we've reviewed, we've said a few times it wraps up a bit too quick and convenient at the end. Do you think this one was pretty good? or? Yeah, I, I think it was pretty good. I mean, as I said earlier, I was ready for it. To, when it did wrap up, I was ready for that. I kind of felt like it did lose itself a little bit in the second half. Um, it wasn't as engaging. And so I, when it did wrap up, I, yeah, it didn't feel like a quick wrap up. I thought, okay, it's done, uh, particularly like the scene you mentioned about the, you know, the, the ganger going off and taking you know, the real person's place and scenes like that, I thought made it a more interesting ending. And then all the stuff with Amy and Rory right at the very end and stuff. So I, yeah, I, it did. I didn't feel sometimes with the Moffat Erie, you get to the end of a story and you feel like, Oh, that was a bit of an anticlimax. Yeah. I didn't feel that with this at all. I thought, yeah, it kind of wrapped that story up and it's led us into the next one. Um, quite well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I certainly, certainly didn't feel disappointed by it. No, I read you. Yeah, I there was no, there was no reset button. Actually, that's a, <laughs> like you said earlier. You know, yeah. like you expect them all the all the gangers to die and all the humans to live and a big old reset. There was none of that, so that's good. No, that was good. Uh, some great performances from the cast. Then I thought uh, it was a good supporting cast. Yeah, yeah notably Cleves and Jimmy. So mm. uh, Raquel Cassidy. And Mark Bernard, the other guys, they were okay, but just didn't really see as much of them, which is to be expected because when you have a fairly large cast, you can't have everybody having lots to do. But um, the guy called Dickon, playing by, played by Liam Vickers, and a guy called Buzzer by Marshall Lancaster, those guys were okay. They were in the they were in the the vibe, so to speak. They had a good mix mm. of um, being scared and also as their ganger selves being quite threatening and stuff like that um they just weren't in it as much emotionally i don't think as the other ones but uh, especially cleves and jimmy they were they had really really good performances yeah no i, th- I thought the supporting cast are really good actually um there's one yeah because most of them are quite memorable in terms of before i put this on i could picture the actors because they've gone on to do quite a lot of other things you know uh, Raquel Cassidy has been in loads of stuff and so's uh, Mark Bonner. Um, so yeah, I was kind of remembering that they were in it. Um, but there was one guy who I'd, it was as if I'd, I'd never ever seen him before. I was like, I don't remember him. Who the hell's this? Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing it's the character Adam, is it? Edmund Moulton. There's one guy in there, sort of the fair haired guy. And I was uh-huh. like, I don't remember him at all. I don't remember him even being in it. Um, but yeah, overall supporting cast, really, really good. And I think particularly... Raquel Cassidy is Cleves, very strong personality, and she plays that really well. 
and uh, and Jimmy is the dad. That moment when he sees the hologram hologram of his son is a is a great moment. It is good. Um, yeah. Really brings it home as well. So yeah, those guys really good. Um, and who's the one that uh, Rory is getting attached to? Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer. Yes. So she's played by. Sarah Smart. Sarah Smart, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, it's funny because she actually turned out to be really good, but in the very sort of first five minutes of this, I was thinking, oh, she's she's not really hitting the mark. She was sort of being a bit too comedic. And, you know, when she accidentally pushes the guy in the vat and it's like, oh. So I, <laughs> I was thinking she was going to be a bit rubbish, but actually she turns out to be really good. Um, a bit like her character in the, in the episode, you know. I think... Um, What's her name says to her at one point, don't you? You know, what's happened to you? You used to be so weak and now look at you. And I'm thinking, yeah, she's really sort of progressed the character well, actually. Yeah. In terms of turning into the ganger version of her. And she turns quite, I wouldn't say evil because they're not really evil, are they? But they're, (laughs) they have their evil moments. (laughs) So, yeah, I thought she was really good. Yeah. So, um, that's what, yeah. So one of the twists was, well, it's not really a twist, but her character evolves into, something that you didn't expect at the beginning because she comes mm. across as maybe like the weakest link. If yeah. You like. yeah. Yeah. And it turns out that she's the one that's, because she's actually got bigger plans, hasn't she? She wants to actually go back to the mainland and, you know, that's wipe it. out everybody. So she's got grand plans, hasn't she? She's a bit like a yeah. Bond villain in some ways. And um, yeah, so her character goes on a cool journey and it's cool how she manipulates Rory as well because mm. he's got a big heart. He wants to look after her, but she plays on that. She gets him to do stuff and, yeah, she trapped. You know, when they're trapped in the room, and he, you know, he, he cuts off the um, he sort of turns up the heating or whatever it is. He doesn't know he's doing that, but she's manipulated him into it. And so, yeah, so her character goes from one extreme to the other across the two stories, which is cool. And she's, she plays it fairly well. I she thought, does. It's yeah. another good twist, isn't it? Because I think you said it earlier. You would expect out of those characters for it to be Jennifer that turns into that character. So it's quite nice that it's actually Jennifer who seems a bit wet, but actually turns out to be, you know, the more manipulative. So again, another nice little twist in the writing. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Amy and Rory. I think we spoke about those guys a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, Arthur Darvel as Rory shines a lot more than, than Amy in this particular two-parter, but they're, they're still good. I mean, as I said, the scenes that Karen's in, she's still good, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, something else I wanted to say about Amy. I can't remember what it is. I should have wrote it down in my notes, but um, yeah, I think I might have mentioned it earlier actually. That in some stories she can be quite uh, ruthless with with Rory. She mm. can treat him like a bit of a, you know, because he does. It's plain to see throughout their entire the entire time that those two are in it, you can see that he's just head over heels, isn't he, with Amy? And although he does stand up to her a couple of times, he does it in this episode, mm-hmm. actually. He points mm-hmm. his torch at her and says, you know, that's, that's not happening or whatever. And she's... So it's kind of weird how they've... They wrote her character to be a bit more lenient in this one, mm. which is good because I like it when they're, like, when they're a bit more balanced because in some stories, she's very, very strong and Rory's very wet and she walks all over him a lot of the time and... Yeah. So I think that's what I was going to say. Yeah. She's, I think her character has been written softer in this one. She's a lot more understanding. Maybe it's hormones. She's pregnant after all. So mm. it's, I, I, it's <laughs> a funny one with Amy because I do like her as a companion, but there's also a lot of times when I don't like her. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think you're right. Like when she's, 
you know, I, I don't like all the stuff in the next series when they're getting divorced or whatever it is. And I don't know. They, she is very up and down as a companion. But uh, yeah, I, I thought she was good in this one <laughs> for yeah. what she got to do. But uh, definitely Rory shines. Yeah. Yeah. And we've spoken about Matt Smith. You know, there's not much more to, he's just brilliant. He is brilliant. And I just want to say, watching Matt's performance yesterday, I, one of, I mean, I absolutely love him as the Doctor. I think he's one of my favourites, actually. The more I watch him, the more I just love his performance. He, he's really good at handling the comedic side without going over the top. He's got this darker edge to him. And one of the things I noticed watching this two-parter is if you watch his performance that he's giving as the Doctor is, he's totally into it. Like... You can even just little reactions that he gives to what the other actors are saying. He just gives little reactions and it's all in his eyes. Like you look at him and he can convey sad. There's like a sadness behind the eyes. It's just, yeah. You feel like he's a time Lord. You feel like underneath this comedic bravado that he's actually lived the life of the doctor. Do you know what I mean? You can sort of see it all in his performance without him having to sort of say it. It's just all yeah. there in his facial expressions and the way he'll like do a sort of little joke, but then slightly turn around and look a bit sad. It's his performance is so layered. If you actually watch him that I just, yeah, I absolutely adore Matt as the doctor. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, I, I can never list them as favorites, but he's, <laughs> he'd be up there if I was forced to make a choice. He's one of my favorite doctors. I think he's brilliant. He's really, do you know what? He's, he kind of gets better as well as time yeah. goes on. Because it's almost like a bit of a slap in the face when you watch Matt Smith sometimes. Especially with stories like this that we haven't seen in so long. Mm. You go back and watch it and afterwards you think, crikey, what a brilliant doctor he was. He was he was brilliant as a doctor. Yeah. I noticed you tweeted last night, um, shenanigans is a nice word, so, which is what he says, isn't it? It's yeah. towards the end, he says shenanigans. The way he delivers that scene, yeah. just just something so simple like that saying shenanigans now there's a there's a good word it's just i just love him he gets the sentimentality the darkness the humor he's just he's got it all going on i look at him and he absolutely is the doctor to me i yeah. can totally yeah. believe he's been through the time war i can totally believe that he's defeated daleks assignment he's just absolutely the doctor for me yeah yeah absolutely no i completely agree absolutely love watching him Mm. Yeah. You can't argue he's a great doctor. He's a great, really good, mm. great doctor. Uh, anything else you want to mention, mate, before we put a score on these? No, no, just intrigued to what you thought to Murray's music, because we do always talk about the music. Uh, and I, I thought it was good and creepy in this, uh, a little bit um, intrusive at times, but that, that's kind of a characteristic of Murray's music, I think. Sometimes. But I thought overall, again, a good score by Murray. Quite creepy, because it is quite creepy episodes. It is. And there was one thing that I did like about his music in this is that mm. we didn't have the theme I am the doctor. No, we didn't every time that every time that they do a bit of a running scene or there's a bit of action, normally yeah. that would cue in. But the cool thing that uh, that Murray did with this two parter is that he tweaked that a little bit because you hear it, but it's not the full on theme that you think, Oh yeah, some action's coming. It mm. it it it's toned down a little bit and a little bit more um ominous, shall I say. So he's used the same notes in, from the theme, but he's tweaked it a little bit and it doesn't kick in with as much drive. So, uh, But I think that's just Murray's music throughout his era, though. Sometimes it is a little bit in your face, isn't it? It's a little yeah, bit... Yeah, it could be a bit, bit too loud. Yeah. 
Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I hadn't noticed that. And that's a really good point, actually, because I remember when I first heard the... Uh, is it called I'm the Doctor, that theme? Yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, oh, what a great piece. I love that theme. And then it literally got played over and it got so overused that by the end of series five or whatever, I was like, oh, I'm really, they've got to stop using that bit of music. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's good actually that you've pointed out because they, they definitely did tone it down. I mean, it is, it is such a great theme. Yeah. But they just, I think they used it in the trailers. They used it every time the doctors started doing anything. It'd be dun, 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 dun. You'd be like, there we go. Mm-hmm. That one. Yeah. But yeah, it's used like all, like every single time. It got way overused. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, don't get yeah. wrong. I love it. I love that. I do as well. Even you. hearing it now, because I've had a break yeah. from it, even hearing it now. I'm like, yeah, it's great bit of music that. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, Murray, done a good job though. Yeah. Yeah. Right, scores. I think it's you to go first. Okay, mate. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I scored them individually and then did a sort of in-between, but it was pretty easy on this one because I marked both episodes 7 out of 10. I, I thought almost people might get a 6.5, mm-hmm. but I, I ranked it up to a 7 because I thought the cliffhanger ending was fantastic. I was like, well, blimey. Mm-hmm. Um, so they both get a 7 out of 10 for me, which means overall it's a score of 7 out of 10. Okay, <laughs> for, okay. As yeah. an overall, yeah. Yeah. So I rated, um, I rated the first episode. This is kind of weird because when I, I, I've got four different scores written down. Oh right! <laughs> <laughs> and I crossed them out each time. So when I first watched episode one, I, I gave that a six point five, and then episode two, I gave that a seven point five. But then I, I, I crossed them out and switched them around because I thought, ah, episode two just. It's a bit filler for me. They could have done yeah. a lot of this stuff in the second one. So I've bought 6.5 for the second one and a 7.5 for the first one. Either way, it rounds out to a seven anyway. Seven. <laughs> so, okay. um, yeah, once again, we're sort of unified in. Yeah, I think it, I think that's about right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, honestly, I don't. It, it does get a bad rap, I will say. A lot of fans do criticise, but... Do you know what? There's just some good stuff in it. Some really good stuff. So There is. It's, it's better than I thought, and there's mm. certainly a lot lot that i would say is worse than this a lot worse so i yeah it's decent it's a decent two-parter i think yeah yeah uh, what did our listeners think our beautiful listeners we had an audio review in a regular reviewer this is sammy from down under g'day gary and adam sammy satine here so the rebel flesh and the almost people this is good underrated i think a story about creating something with a conscience and mind of its own then having to realize it is the same as you are it's a well-trodden concept but in this case They are copies of the humans who made them. I find it interesting how the humans and the flesh interact. I also find it interesting how the Doctor takes advantage of his flesh copy and the reveal at the end that Amy is a flesh avatar is a surprise if you have forgotten it or not seen it before. The bits with Madame Kavarian and Amy's pregnancy slash non-pregnancy woven into this story to lead into the next one are intriguing. It's one of those times I don't mind a story arc blending into the story it is telling. I give it eight gangers out of ten. See ya. Eight, eight and eight. Yeah, decent. <laughs> decent. Thank you very much, Sammy. Uh, let's go to Twitter. Uh, over on Twitter, Tarnis Files HQ said, so watched it twice, tried to like it, but it's an abomination. Oh. The Doctor, Amy, and Rory are brilliant as always, but that's about it. A one out of ten. A one? God, it's a bit harsh. <laughs> Our big finish reviewer. Jordan Shortman 
So it's, it's a story I've tried to like so many times. The first half is quite creepy, uh, good and creepy, but the second half just uh, loses the plot. Mm. Uh, we've got the Doctor, Amy Rory, all acting the character, uh, a weak guest cast and a poor script. Sorry, I couldn't be more positive. Oh, dear. Oh. Um, Nikki Maneki. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, just says, I like both episodes. Seems that I'm the only one here. No, and, no, we liked them. Yeah. Uh, Genesis of Andrazani, it's a cool name, says, <laughs> one of the stories I love to hate so much. It's not really an abomination as such, but it's a story where all my nitpicks of bad who are rolled into one. It's lazy. Really? It's badly padded. It's boring. It's disgusting to look at, but it's not scary. It's just gross. I hate it four out of ten. Blimey. Crikey Moses, the Who Society. I always found it dull. But really thinking about it, I was probably too harsh. Uh, the setting is so claustrophobic and really effective. The story has some great twists in it. Matt is great in these episodes, and the whole cast is really good. The gangers are quite scary. And eight out of ten. Cool. Uh, Rotide says, personally, not one. Uh, uh, I'm personally not one uh, too keen on this one. It definitely scared me when I first watched it years ago, but it's just a bit um, all over the place for me. However, mm. it does serve as a good leap up to Demon's Run. Uh, the concept was good, but the execution was mere a 5 out of 10. Yeah, it is a bit messy. I yeah. agree. Uh, Jake mm. is cold. I quite like this story, even if the second half is a bit bananas and the CGI is terrible. Mm. A 7 out of 10. Cool. Uh, Steve Maggs. Uh, funnily enough, I rewatched this yesterday. Uh, it's like a modern hammer horror with some nice emotional stuff. Not enough plot for two-parter. And the no. OTT flesh turning into monsters with long necks distracts and confuses. Are we supposed to sympathise sympathize, with the flesh people? Uh, it, does get a, uh, it doesn't quite fit with the following episode. Are the flesh people conscious as individuals or simply avatars? Uh, with Amy, we are led mm. to believe she's simply an avatar when flesh. That's a good point. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Uh, Spencer Shively says I was a big defender of Moffat during the Matt Smith years but looking back on this his, his tenure it's sort of embarrassing sometimes I remember really enjoying this one though when it first aired especially the two Doctors and the Amy reveal at the end six flesh piles out of ten <laughs> that was quite gruesome that bit when you saw all of the previously used ones piled up in the corner yeah yeah it was yeah uh, um, I thought that was a good moment a good creepy moment yeah mm. Uh, the Running Hoovian, Sarah Louise, says, I enjoyed both episodes. I found them engaging and liked the storyline. The flesh were quite creepy at times, as were the flashes of Madame Kavarian that kept Amy, see, uh, Amy kept seeing. I feel good performances were delivered by all. And I give it a 7 out of 10. Mm -hmm. And lastly on Twitter, Richard Orr says, I rather love this two-parter. Brilliantly creepy with some fantastic effects. And that twist in the end is amazing. Yes. It's the muzzing. Over on Facebook... Miles McKenzie said, awful. <gasps> One of the stories I've only seen twice and I want to believe I've never seen it. However, really? the performances were good. One out of ten. One. <laughs> One out of ten. Charlie Turner. Uh, the first two real duds of my least favourite series so far. Oh, Nothing dear. more needs to be said. They are boring and the flesh serve no purpose after this two-parter. But it does have a few good ideas just horribly executed. I'm sorry to say that this Snorefest... That's what I call the episodes. I find boring. Gets a three out of ten. Right, dear. Jeff Waddle. <laughs> Potentially a good story. It's just a mess. And I gave up thinking about uh, gave up thinking about it when I couldn't keep track of who was real and who was a ganger. Four mm. out of ten. Blimey. Andrew right. Cuthbert says, severely underused supporting cast. Mark Bernard gets his redemption as the eleven. 
with the eighth doctor. Ah, the eleven. He was in the big finish story, wasn't he? Yes, yeah, with the eighth doctor. What was it? Um Doom okay. Coalition. Doom it? Coalition, yeah. Mm. Actually, yeah. I forgot to mention that. Anyone that's not listened to Doom Coalition, Eighth Doctor. Is it an Eighth Doctor? Yeah. Yeah, an Eighth Doctor story. That's cracking. Yeah, and Dark Ma- Eyes and Doom Coalition yeah. are brilliant. Mark Bernard's really good in it. Um, mm. uh, anyway, he goes on to say, three Dusty Springfield doppelgangers <laughs> out of ten. I forgot about the Dusty Springfield, yeah. And lastly, one of our writers, Maria Kalitici, says, I don't care what anyone says, I like this story. Yes, the CGI is a bit overdone, but it poses an interesting concept of how humans are judgmental and fearful. Rory is misled by a ganger in more than one way. The Doctor admires himself. A bit of a dusty Springfield, what's not to love? Mm. Uh, Matt Smith is firing on all cylinders, embracing the fledgling flesh with the dream team of Amy and Rory. Mm. There we go. So thank you very much, guys, for all of your uh, reviews and thoughts on that one. Very, very cool. Thank you, as always. Next week... Next week, dude. Back to Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane. Sarah yes, Jane. Sarah Jane. We do. We're loving the Sarah Jane, aren't we? And I'm looking forward to this. So, the episode is called. What is it called? <laughs> <laughs> Secrets of the stars. There, of we the stars. there we go. <laughs> I was moving your. I'd got your Skype picture right over the top of it. I couldn't see it. There we go. Secret of the stars next week. So, looking forward to that. Yes, indeedy. And I think we'll do there, mate, for 219. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for sticking with us and listening through episode 219. It's been awesome having you with us, new listeners. Thank you for jumping up, uh, jumping on board. Old listeners, Grizzled Ancients, thank you very much for, for coming back. Next week, Sarah Jane, Secrets of the Stars. Yeah. Give that a watch, get the DVDs out. Give that a watch, you'll be asking for your thoughts and opinions on that one as always. In the meantime, head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to every episode on there. And there's lots of buttons to link off to the various podcast networks so you can subscribe and not miss a show when it lands on a Friday. Uh, the main one being iTunes, of course, if you are an iTunes listener. If you could spare just a few seconds for a review and a rating, that would be awesome because it really helps us. And also link off to the various social networks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We chat lots of Doctor Who during the week. So uh, get involved in that. And also check out Adam's channel over on YouTube, the yes. Geeks Handbag. The Geeks Handbag, go and have a look. Go and have a peruse around Adam's various videos. Very, very cool. Lots of reviews and unboxings and whatnot. You won't be disappointed. So the Geeks Handbag, you're also on all the socials under the same name. The Geeks Handbag. <laughs> Certainly am. <laughs> uh, we will see you next week for episode 220. And our review of The Secrets of the Stars from Sarah Jane in the meantime. Yeah. I've been Gary. And I've been Adam. And remember, Elle 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 Elle